like we yeah. do fart, fight hard to get information out there about Did changing culture. Fart? We fart. We fart a lot <laughs> about it. <laughs> we fart hard. We fart hard about it. <laughs> Damn it! No, I'm a teenage boy. <laughs> Sorry. No, I couldn't let it go. You <laughs> Swear to God, I gotta get it together now. Damn it, Jill. Okay, okay. back up, back up. We fight hard. We fight hard. Not we do. <laughs> Hi, we're Kara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push push it. it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 5. We just finished a nice sweaty workout. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. There was a lot of stuff. So the beginning was sweaty. Mm -hmm. Like the beginning was sweaty. We had, um, we had eight sets of swings for 20 seconds. We had four rounds of Russian twists for 20 seconds each and then four rounds of bodyweight squats. Then we did four rounds of eight handstand pushups. That Mm -hmm. was terrible. And then we had a finisher that included, uh, let's see, total one, two, three, four, five, 60 burpees with an overhead uh, plate press and then a hundred meter farmer's walk. So we're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> it was totally fine. It was a lot of burpees. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did a set of 30 and then did a farmer's carry and we figured out how far that was in our neighborhood. So we could be out in the sunshine, mm-hmm. which was great. Except the kettlebells got a little warm. And my forearms started giving out. Yes. And so it was, it was what my husband called exquisite. It was exquisite. <laughs> and I will, I will admit, if you go to the reels on her IG, you oh will God. see us mocking how, how much Turnquist was suffering. Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was suffering. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Exquisitely exquisitely suffering but he did great he did great oh i just got cream cheese on my phone (laughs) you can't see this if you're listening to us so we have um we have bagels and cream cheese Mm -hmm. and we have huge iced coffee so we're like so ready yeah we're refeeding we're refeeding yes we are and they taste workout oh my god so yes so i'm super excited to talk about this topic today um because it's sort of a chance to set the record straight a bit on how we feel about things. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes, especially like with the, with the kind of stuff we put out there, it sometimes we lose the nuance of what we really mean. Um, 
And so this is an opportunity for us to talk about that a little bit mm -hmm. and to say like, this is how we really feel about this topic. So yes. So if you've been following us for a while, and if you, especially if you've been listening to the Push podcast for a while, you probably know where we stand on diet culture mm -hmm. <laughs> and weight loss, yes. well, marketed weight loss. So, mm -hmm. and I think that when, when people see or hear us talking about that, there's this sort of um, assumption about how we feel about like body change as a whole. And that's right. what we wanted to talk about today, just to sort of clear the air and let you know where we actually stand on, on this issue. Yeah, because people ask us all the time, it's like, well, what if I do want to change my body? And we don't think that body change or the desire to want to change your body is in and of itself bad. But because we advocate for body acceptance and liberation, people also often think that we're anti-body change. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways, that's true. Mm -hmm. We don't promote weight loss. Um, we encourage our clients to explore their bodies in the absence of weight loss talk. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of people assume that our stance is, is change culture. Don't change your body, right? Like let's change the way people see people's bodies. Like, mm -hmm. and we talk about that a lot, like health at every size and ex having a wider acceptance of lots of different kinds of bodies. And so um, and so part, partly that's true, yeah. right? Like we do fight hard to get information out there to change the culture, right? Like we want there to be more representation and acceptance of a larger range of body types, races, abilities. Um, we fight hard to acknowledge that fat phobia in the fitness industry is rooted in white supremacy, patriarchy, and cis hetero standards. So yes, we do believe that bodies, that culture needs to change. Yes, it does need to change. And we are, we, yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah, we, we do fight hard to change, to like change the, be part of the change. Like we can't change the culture by ourselves. That's why we're talking about it so much because we, we want and need other people to get this message and to help us in that fight. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we do think the culture needs to change. I think yeah. that's been pretty mm -hmm. clear. Yeah. <laughs> in our messaging. So, so, but here's the nuance, like maybe instead of just saying, change the culture, don't change your body. A better way to say it is how Lindo Bacon says it. And they are one of the creators of the health at every size movement. Mm -hmm. And what they say is all bodies deserve respect and care. And maybe that's the approach that we need to be promoting, mm -hmm. not necessarily saying don't change your body. And they come from this perspective from a really unique perspective because they are trans and over the course of time has really wrestled with their own transition because they did really want to change their body right? in order to feel more authentic within their body. Mm -hmm. But they also um, lived within a, a sort of promoted a culture or a movement where there needs to be more acceptance of a wider range of body types. Mm -hmm. And so 
when they were going through their transition really struggled to to not feel like they were like not being true to the own the, the movement that they helped start right so um i think that that's that their story is actually a beautiful representation of this nuance that we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about respecting care, the root of that is belonging, mm-hmm. right? Like how do we get to a place where we feel at home in our bodies? Um, like usually even a desire for weight loss comes from that place. Like mm-hmm. I want to fit in. I like that if the desirable body is smaller than mine, I want to work to try to fit in and have that body. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and this is where like, we kind of like, this is biological. Like we have this like lizard part of our brain, like as a species, we are a pack animal. And we know that in the past we survive if we can fit in with our pack. And that's still very much like ingrained in us. There is even a lot of uh, research out now about like desirability politics, where a lot of people just are so sure, like that they just are attracted to a certain body type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in reality, like if you kind of break it down, more of what they're experiencing is actually wanting to fit in and having someone who has a, a what's considered a desirable body body shape right now in our culture mm-hmm. on their arm because it gives them status within the group. Right. And so, so, you know, this, this is very political, but it's also very personal. Mm-hmm. And um, so how do we find this, this, how do we navigate within the, this nuance? Yeah. I think that, um, one of the things that we run into and uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about this today is because we have folks who make comments or reach out to us and are like, so because I want to lose weight, I'm a bad person. Right. Right. And so, and that's not what we're saying at all. Mm-hmm. Like, like Cara was saying, there are many nuances to this thing and we're going to break it down for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, so is your, when, when someone says, okay, I want to lose weight, we say, we often say, what, what are, will the benefits be in your life if you lose weight? And they might say like, I'll feel more confident or I'll feel more sexy or I'll feel like I fit in, whatever it is. And we're like, cool, we can help you with that. We can help you with that. Even if you don't lose any weight, we can help you feel more confident in your body because we can help you be stronger or move better or have less pain. Like, those are the kinds of things that we can help you. If we can solve that root issue that may or may not come with weight loss. So we're not saying like we never have any clients that lose weight. Clients lose weight all the time that work with us. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not the, the, it's not the original goal. And so that's the big difference. And so if you think about it, like, does your desire come from within yourself? Like, I want to lose weight because I really believe it will make me feel better. Or do I want to lose weight because society says that that's more desirable. Mm -hmm. And when you can really start to, to see that differentiation, you can start really setting goals for your own body that are like really authentic. And 
we can't talk about any of this stuff if we don't talk about oppression. Because the reason that these bodies are more, like these thin bodies are more desirable than larger ones is because it is the whole idea of good or bad bodies are is rooted in oppression, mm-hmm. right? Like, and the whole point of oppression is to separate people, right? Like if it, it separates you. So there, then you start to lose that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So the, also the, the thing about oppression that, that is so interesting, especially when we're talking about fat phobia is that the very things that the, the health problems that are often blamed on being obese mm-hmm. are the very things that oppression causes like the right. living with the stress of being in a larger body is actually worse for your health than carrying around some extra weight so yeah that the that that sense of not belonging is is typically brought on by oppression and that's why that's like this that is why we talk about changing the culture because the the standardized uh, culture of what a good body is is what separates us and what causes that oppression. So if the oppression if if we have this desire to fit in and the oppression prevents us from doing that, then we end up having all of these health problems anyway because we're suffering from oppression. Mm-hmm. Then where does that leave us? Like how do how do people feel at home? in their own bodies then like mm-hmm. what's what do we do what mm-hmm. do we do with this so a big question yeah so i think one of the first things if we're talking about weight loss like there's all different kinds of body change right mm-hmm. and we're going to get into some of the other types but if we're talking about weight loss then then if we think about it in terms of body liberation mm-hmm. is that weight loss going to make you feel more liberated because in like watching a lot of our clients Mm -hmm. and even having experience with ourselves, the weight loss itself didn't necessarily make us feel better. Right. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so Jill, why don't you tell, why don't you share your story about weight loss? You had a big weight loss story. Yeah. So when I was in my early twenties, I was unhappy with my weight on the scale. So I decided that I was going to diet and lose a bunch of weight. So essentially, um, I lost a good portion of my body weight. So to the point where like you could see my spine sticking out of my shirt kind of weight loss. It Mm -hmm. was, I was very much um, in, I had a very poor relationship with my body and with food. And I definitely was suffering from disordered eating behaviors. Um, which I ended up getting therapy for, and that was great. But uh, anyway, so the the thing was, like, yes, I I was smaller. I got a lot of praise from being smaller. I felt like I fit in better when I went out in public and when I was at family functions and hung out with my friends. Like, I was, you know, I was feeling, quote, unquote, good about myself and my body. But then again, I wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. So I I... I was definitely making myself sick with just trying to keep up that body type and that appearance. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sick, like physically and emotionally, there's a lot of stress when like you get all of this attention on all of this praise for this weight loss that 
you have to do work. You have to double down on keeping it that way. Otherwise, when you gain it back, and most of the time you do, and then some, then you're a failure, right? And so I think that acknowledging that and recognizing that I was in this very um, dangerous cycle where I was making myself sicker and sicker, like I thank God that I had people in my life who drug me out of that. Like, because mm-hmm. it, it could have gotten deadly, quite honestly. It was bad. Yeah. Eating disorders are deadly. And the thing is, is that when she talks about that stress of trying to kind of keep up, like our bodies don't like weight loss. When we go into the, that weight loss place, our bodies cannot tell the difference between a diet and starvation. And they work really hard to bring you back to status quo. There's a, there's sort of a set point that our bodies genetically feel most comfortable within. And if you force yourself out of that set point, your body's going to work hard to get back to it. So when we lose weight, it's really hard for us to just stay at that lighter weight without constant vigilance. And some people can do it. Like you might know people who have lost weight and kept it off, but if you look a little deeper into a lot of their lifestyles, they're still being pretty vigilant about what they eat, how much they exercise. Like they, they have to really stay on top of it. Now, some people can, can successfully do that, lower their set point, but it's only about 2% of people. Well, and, and what would success even be defined as? Because that kind of lifestyle comes with a lot of trade-offs. Yeah. Like, exactly. There's a lot of trade-offs and like people, I think when people visualize like losing weight and then getting to this point in their life where they think that that shedding that weight is going to make them happier, we don't consider the trade-offs Mm-mm. and they're pretty significant. Yeah. And not sustainable. Right. <laughs> for most people. Right. So when you're, when your goal initially is to lose weight, but you realize that it's really to fit in or to feel better in your body, there are certainly ways that you can seek out community so that you do have people that you feel you fit in with. There are ways to feel better in your body without necessarily losing weight. Um, I want to tell my story too, because I have changed my body significantly through surgery. So um, I chose body change after having my first son. I had two hernias that did not bother me a lot. Um, you know, like when you're pregnant, your belly stretches out and was like, my belly was like a worn out pair of yoga pants and they got a couple holes in them in the middle. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Right. <laughs> so I stretched those puppies out. Yeah. So, so my tissue did not stretch as much as it decided to tear. And, um, And so I had two hernias. Now they didn't really bother me that much. However, when I was pregnant with my second son, they absolutely did. They tore quite a bit more. And instead of having a little hole where like, if I coughed too hard, like have like some guts kind of spooge out the middle and I could push them back in, they would be, I would have like a permanent bubble in Uh my belly constantly. And it didn't feel very comfortable. I did not like the way it looked. And it impacted my ability to exercise the way I wanted to, which is really important to me. Yeah. So 
I opted for body change. And, and for me, it wasn't because I didn't accept my body. It was that I had the tools available to me to live in a body that I felt more comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing was, is that I actually had to, I couldn't just get hernia repair because a mesh on a person my size, which again, I'm not, I'm pretty average size for the average American woman. However, um, in the doctor's office and in the fitness industry, I'm considered obese. So I was not a good candidate for hernia repair, which in my opinion, if most people, if most female identifying people are larger than I am and I can't get that surgery, then maybe that surgery should be researched a little bit more on larger bodies. And maybe but, we should discard that BMI scale. Right. Like to, in order to, to get the surgery, they wanted me to lose a non-sustainable amount of weight in order to get the surgery. And then I was supposed to be able to keep it off so that I wouldn't blow through the mesh. So anyway, I went to a few surgeons. That's like a whole other podcast. And believe me, it is coming because mm -hmm. the medical industry and the whole quote unquote obesity epidemic is a bee in my bonnet. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I ended up going to a plastic surgeon. I had heard that an actual abdominoplasty, the way that they do it, they kind of sew you up the middle was better for athletic people who liked, especially people who liked to lift weights and it, and it held more the success rates were higher, all of that. But Oh, the irony of mm -hmm. going to a plastic surgeon for a non aesthetic goal, because that is all he wanted to talk about. And I had heard that he was really good. So I did stick with him. Plus, I didn't want to travel in order to have the surgery done. I just felt like that would be a nightmare. Um, but it was really awkward. And it was tempting to get pulled down that rabbit hole. Like Jill was talking to me about this a little bit with um, her sister's wedding. But it was, it's really, it was really easy for me to get excited about the aesthetic parts of it. Mm -hmm. even though my goal initially was to do it to feel better in my body. Yeah, I mean, you, it is easy to get pulled down that rabbit hole because it's, it's constant. It's, it's permeated our, the Western society and our culture. And so, you know, in my situation, I was telling Cara earlier, my sister's getting married this summer and we had a bridesmaids dress appointment. And I actually felt like, okay, like I, I thought that I might get triggered by like the sizing and all that stuff. And I actually did okay, but I can't say that like, I wasn't, I'm not having this struggle within because, you know, the facts are, I am the largest bridesmaid. And so I, I had the, in my head, like this, this battle of, well, maybe I can just slim down over the next four months and I can go back to doing what I'm going to, what, whatever I do. And I, it's, it takes hard work. It takes, it takes constant vigilance to be aware of that stuff and to squash it because I know that I wouldn't be happy with myself if I went on this crash diet for four months and the havoc it would wreak on my body on the inside and out and on my emotional health, because who knows with my history 
of disordered eating patterns, I might accidentally tip the scale to the other side and end up in that place again, and maybe end up sicker than I was when I first went through that. So that's just a very dangerous and slippery slope for me to be on. And so acknowledging that and saying it out loud and just being like, okay, like, let's, let's think this through. And like, what happens if dot, 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 what happens mm-hmm. if I do this, dot, 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 what happens if I do nothing mm-hmm. and just kind of assessing where I'm at and being, and just being okay with, with calling myself out mm-hmm. and calling myself out to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Jill and I do that a lot together where we'll be like, okay, I have to talk this through because I'm having some mixed feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it can be important for you to find that too. Like community will give you the sense of belonging that you might be missing when you choose not to go down that diet rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this, I had the privilege of listening to JC Cooper talk in our um, group yesterday. I'm in a cohort on the de- deconstructing the toxicity in the fitness industry. <laughs> Uh, through fitness for all bodies and yes, some light stuff. Yeah. Just some <laughs> light I mean, yeah, it's just some light learning. Um, but we, we were talking this week about sex and gender as social constructs. And JC Cooper is most well known for her battle with the USA powerlifting uh, association. I think it is that have banned trans people and um, what she was talking about, like, first of all, growing up in a family and in a community where she felt like she had to hide Mm -hmm. never gave her a sense of belonging. And the thing that she feared the most when she came out to her family happened. They kicked her out. They don't have any communication with her. And to live like in a body that feels foreign to you, like you can look in the mirror and say, this is a good body, but it doesn't feel like mine. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I, I have not ever experienced that to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and to know it from a child, like the research on this is that, that tr- the trans community usually knows by age, like three, four, five, that, that they are not the, the gender that they were assigned or the, the sex that they were assigned. And no amount of therapy can really change that. Yeah. So, um, so when we were talking, the question came up yesterday where someone asked her, what, what kind, is there, is there a fitness space that you do feel comfortable in? And she said, no, Mm. she said, and she has a good community Uh, She's found her people, but she said that that's what makes it. She goes, almost any gym that I walk into, I realize that there are going to be a lot of eyes on me Mm -hmm. and most of them are going to be disapproving. Mm -hmm. And that's how I walk through 
this space all the time. And so for me, it's really important. To, it's essential to find community so that I do have that like deep sense of belonging that all of us need. And so, you know, for her, body change was a big part of that, of, of not only finding this belonging within herself, kind of squaring up with who she really knew she was, but um, also part of helping her find her community. Mm-hmm. And a thing that I, that another thing that she said that I really, really want to share with you, she said something about how um, it's really different. There's a big difference between opening a door for someone and inviting them in. And that for her, she's had the door opened for her in a lot of situations, but hasn't felt that she's been invited in, um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of, in a lot of areas. So, um, so when this comes back around to the idea of, you know, is it okay to change your body? I mean, First of all, we don't have any say over whether anybody else wants to change their body or not. It's up to them. But I would certainly also not deny someone their own humanity when it comes to body change. Not someone who, you know, wants to get fitter. Not someone who wants to have a surgery that might make them feel or function better. And not someone who feels like they are trapped inside a body that doesn't belong to them. Yes. Yep. That I think all of that boils down to what you uh, had mentioned earlier on is body liberation. Yes. Body liberation. Mm -hmm. And that takes many forms. Sometimes it is changing your body and sometimes it's not. It just, it, I think that anytime that, you're wanting to make a change in your life or you're wanting to change your body. I think anytime it's worth examining like the, the intention behind it, what you're hoping to achieve um, and what's the way that's going to feel best to you to get there. And what kind of community can you include in your journey there? Um, So, yeah. So, yeah. So do we want to change the culture around bodies? And fitness? Yep. Yes. Yep. Do we think that you shouldn't lose weight? Not necessarily. Do we think that we all deserve respect and connection no matter what kind of body we live in? Yes. Yes. So your body is your business. Yep. If you're one of our clients, we want you to feel supported. However, we're not going to try to tell you what to do with your own body and what feels right. We can help you figure out what feels right. Mm -hmm. But only you know how to live your most authentic self within your body. Yep. Yes. So that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, share, give us a review. The more subscription and reviews that we get, the more visibility we get, and the more easily we can reach more listeners just like you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Yes. That's a good ending point. That is, especially yes. since motorcycle guy's about to go. About oh, to okay. Well, I better, say, I better say my little <laughs> spiel then. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that we have to tap to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just mm -hmm. may as well keep the edits going. Yeah. To you, we have. To you, we have. <laughs> <laughs> too, too many burpees. We've been working farts. <laughs> We've been working real farts. <laughs> No, it was we've been farting hard. <laughs> <laughs>